0: To tell Jack about the dowry. Welcome to the Progress, Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress, Texas Happy Hour. I'm Kathleen Thompson, Progress, Texas Chair of the Board.
1: And I'm Sam Gonzalez, Progress, Texas Digital Director.
0: Hey, Sam. Good morning across time zones.
1: Once again, hi. From all the way in uh, not-so-sunny California. It's not The sun's not out yet, so...
0: We appreciate it. Uh, In high school, I was one of a handful of environmental club kids, and years ago I served on the Texas Democratic Party's State Democratic Executive Committee as a member of the Texas Environmental Democrats with my counterpart, David Weinberg, friend of the pod. So what we're talking about today is near and dear to my enviro heart. I
1: know, and everything environment-wise is near and dear to my heart because that's all we have, and if this goes terribly then we don't have another environment so might as well fix what we got
0: (laughs) right on there there's no planet b
1: exactly
0: on this edition of the progress texas happy hour we welcome executive director of environment texas luke metzger luke welcome to the show
2: thanks kathleen thanks sam good to be on welcome
0: As we leave freezing temperatures behind and head into sweltering Texas summers, a key issue developing in the ledge this year with great opportunity is environmental protection. Luke, will you talk to us about some of the problems for the climate and our wallets regarding Texas gas and energy and some solutions?
2: Sure. Well, Texas has too much pollution. Uh, we know from studies from Harvard, MIT, and elsewhere that thousands of uh, Texans have their lives cut short every year because of air pollution. Um, we also know that our waterways are too polluted. About a third of our rivers, lakes, streams have so much pollution in them they're not safe for basic uses like swimming or fishing. Um, you know, uh, Too often our beaches have unsafe levels of fecal bacteria Bacteria, um, which could lead someone to get really sick after going to a a day at the beach, Um, and then of course the climate crisis. You know, we know that uh, Texas is, and the Gulf region is one of the most vulnerable on the planet to the effects of global warming, Um, and we're experiencing it. You know, in terms of record temperatures, uh, extreme weather like Hurricane Harvey, wildfires, uh, etc. And so, it's critical that we act to reduce the pollution that's um, just coming from everything—from refineries and chemical plants, and uh, liquefied natural gas export terminals, uh, to coal-fired power plants, to cars and trucks on the road. Um, so, uh, really critical that we work to reduce pollution um, from from all levels and, and protect public health and our climate.
0: Texas is such a big state, um, but uh, for folks living on the Gulf Coast, they really were climate refugees um, during Harvey, and the repercussions of that were felt for years. And you know what happened in New Orleans? Um, you know, people fled to Texas, and um, it's really. Uh, an issue that can just upend your life and and it's climate but there there are solutions I'd like to talk to you about um, taxes Uh, because of tax abatements you and I Texas taxpayers are subsidizing pollution heavy facilities and these are some of the world's wealthiest corporations why are polluting developers not paying taxes that the three of us are paying
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Yeah, Texas has a few different uh, economic development programs uh, in place that are designed to attract new manufacturing facilities. And so there's one tax credit that counties offer called the Chapter 312 program. Uh, that is that is still in place. And then there's one that school districts um, have offered called the Chapter 313 program. And that actually uh, expired last year. Um, and because of a lot of critique over the program being really wasteful, you know, siphoning dollars away from our public school system. Um, and as you said, actually subsidizing pollution. Uh, we looked at emissions in 2021 and found that Companies that received these tax abatements released more than 100 million metric tons of greenhouse gas emissions um, in 2021. And so... Um, that, uh, that program expired, uh, as I said, be, both because of, uh, concerns about impacts to schools, um, impacts to the environment, uh, but also conservative concerns that this is just corporate welfare, a waste of public dollars, um, that it wasn't actually serving the purpose that it was intended to, that many of the companies receiving these abatements were going to locate here anyway. Um, and so, um, you know, it was kind of wasteful to give them this money for something that they were going to do anyway. Um, you know, for example, you know, some of the LNG export terminals, um, you know, uh, where else are they going to locate, you know, but the, you know, the Gulf Coast and Texas, uh, because they to export, you know, uh, gas from, from the Permian Basin, you know, that's that's the direct uh, place to, to locate such a facility. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, one, you know, perhaps not actually serving its purpose, and then two, the other purpose was to create jobs, uh, but uh, it turns out that, you know, very few of the jobs promised to actually materialize, uh, and those jobs that uh, do uh, get created thanks to these programs uh uh, are very costly you know uh, in some cases you know millions of dollars uh, we're paying per job created um, which is is not a very good use of public funds and so there's a kind of whole coalition of groups that have been fighting kind of the uh, efforts to revive the chapter 313 program there's a bill filed in the legislature called House Bill 5 by Representative Todd Hunter of Corpus Christi um, to kind of bring back this program um, and you uh, you know, uh, kind of like that same coalition of groups, everybody from kind of uh, the interfaith community, um, which really kind of led the charge and kind of helping kill the program last year, to, you know, conservatives, environmentalists, et cetera. And so, you know, we're, we're certainly you know, don't think it's a, a good idea to revive this program, especially if it's subsidizing pollution. But then on top of it, um, Governor uh, Abbott recently said that he thought uh, wind and solar power projects shouldn't get to take advantage uh, of the, these kind of programs. And so uh, if, if they're kicked out, that makes it even worse, you know, that you know, we're subsidizing pollution on the one hand, and that we're not even letting, uh, you know, wind and solar, which are bringing, you know, new manufacturing to Texas, um, you know, it uh, doesn't make sense to not allow them to participate if we're going to have a program in the first place.
1: And and for the audience, uh, when we had our first discussion, Luke, about LNG, could you define LNG real quick for the audience and how it's separate from regular other things that people have heard?
2: Sure. Uh, LNG stands for liquefied natural gas. Um, And so uh, basically... Um, you know, natural gas. You know, uh, comes from um, in most cases fracking, um, where you know uh, we uh, extract the gas from the earth. We then uh, compress it uh, to you know kind of make it smaller, and so it can travel in pipelines uh, to get to you know homes and businesses. Um, and then you know, in some cases, we then export it uh, to uh, internationally. And uh, we can't really you know, uh, it's not easy to string a pipeline across. You know the Atlantic Ocean or, or to wherever to, to get to China, and so what instead they do is they liquefy it, you know, um, and, and kind of get it at super uh, cold temperatures, and then put it on tankers to then ship um, kind of elsewhere. And so um, there's a lot of concern about you know, these uh, these terminals because. We know from, uh, you know, climate scientists tell us that we dramatically need to be uh, getting off of fossil fuels um, and reducing our emissions. And so, but rather than doing that, you know, Texas is actually doubling down on fossil fuels with, with this methane gas um, and, you know, potentially, you know, keeping the planet kind of addicted to, to fossil fuels, you know, for decades longer so there's both the kind of climate concerns um, around LNG, uh, as, but there's also then just the, the local health concerns for for people living near these facilities. You know whether it's um, uh, you know in Port Arthur or Corpus Christi, you know uh, places that are already subjected to high levels of pollution from all the refineries and chemical plants and other you know polluting facilities. There, um, adding LNG terminals, um, you know, just adds to the toxic burden that you know these people are. are um, experiencing every day
1: right and part of that that liquefaction that transport uh, that shipping off elsewhere um, a lot of that I've read keeps our prices up because of the way that they uh, keep some excess gas in storage and then they sell it at a premium and that's usually something that's not allowed in the regular United States uh, you know the interstate system for gas Texas is unique in that way, where we're able to ship it off elsewhere, is that correct?
2: Yeah, um, so gas now has has become, because of LNG, gas has now become an international commodity, right? And so that means that, um, you know, uh, gas companies can, extract the highest price from whoever's willing to pay it right and so Texas consumers now are having being pitted against you know consumers in, in China or, or uh, India or other or other parts of the world and so that means that if demand you know for gas internationally surges prices will also go up and that can come at the uh, you know uh, in, at the expense of, of Texas consumers so that you have that on the one hand um, and then uh, uh, on the second hand you also have Uh, domestically, Texas uh, gas shipments, uh, if they're shipping gas from, you know, you know, a, a wellhead in, in in West Texas in the Permian Basin, you know, to Houston or to the Gulf Coast, um, the uh, that's a in, intrastate kind of transport of gas, and so as a result, it's not subject to the same kinds of federal rules that we would have if we instead shipped it to Georgia or or Maryland or something like that. Um, and so as a result, you know, the the gas industry is operating really in the dark. You know, they don't have to um, you know comply with the same. Kind kinds of transparency uh, standards. And then, like you said, you know, um, they're actually allowed to kind of, you know, in the state kind of hold gas back um, uh, until, you know, uh, prices kind of go higher. And so that they can then kind of, you know, the the, uh, fear is that there may be some manipulation of the market, uh, there may be some price gouging going on. And, and, and we saw that most dramatically during winter storm Yuri, um, when, you know, people, hundreds of thousands of people, in, in my family included, you know, lost power for days, you know, in, in, in uh, sub-freezing temperatures and, um, you know, hundreds of people died. And at the same time, you know, um, we know that gas uh, that was needed for Texas homes was being shipped internationally. There was a uh, estimate that uh, the gas that was shipped out on, uh, through LNG uh, exports during the the blackouts, uh, if we had taken that and instead, used it to you know power our homes, uh, we could have uh, eliminated about half of the the homes that lost power um, or Jeez. brought back power to about half of it, and then at the same time, um, you know, there's. Uh, uh, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission uh, is investigating and, and uh, potential price gouging and market manipulation CPS energy which is the utility that serves San Antonio has sued one of the pipeline companies and energy transfer partners over alleged price gouging um, and so uh, so in general yeah we just know that, uh, both because of the international market from LNG exports and because of just the you know wild west kind of level of regulation in Texas politics um, when it comes to the gas <laughs> right. industry, consumers are really you know at the mercy of um, of the kind of the market and you know potentially um, uh, market manipulation
3: right
1: and, and- Texans are affected by this directly. Obviously, most of us were affected by Winter Storm Uri. I was. I was out for five days. And luckily, in Austin, our prices were... Kept level. There were some local things that kept it to where things weren't too crazy, but statewide that wasn't always the case. And so when we're talking about legislation and regulations, Texas, once again, I think you mentioned it earlier, is the Wild West. And one thing I want you to talk about a little bit more is the TCEQ, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. Uh, and it's coming uh, into its sunset review currently in the Texas Ledge. What does that mean for Texans moving forward, not just regarding their wallets, but just for how this whole operation works and how it's going to function in the future. And are things like this going to happen uh, again?
2: Yeah. So the Texas Commission on Environmental Equality is the state's main environmental regulator, and it's charged with enforcing and implementing federal law, you know, including the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. And um, like every state agency in Texas, um, every 12 years or so, uh, it, it goes through what's called Sunset Review. And, and that's a process where uh, the Texas legislature decided that um, it's going to sunset agencies and say that you know, an agency is no longer going to exist anymore unless we proactively reauthorize it and allow it to continue. And, and the, the thinking is like, you know, we don't want to just kind of create government for government's sake. You know, uh, we should only um, do it you know, uh, if it's needed and, and having sunset dates allows us to just take a good look and be like, do we still need this or not? You know? Um, and, uh, so, you know, interesting, um, and potentially kind of good policy that kind of forced that. And so what happens then is there, we have this independent agency, the sunset commission reviews agencies and determines like, Are they serving their function? Should they continue to exist? Do we need some improvements to the agency? And, uh, since, um, you know, for some of some of these uh, major agencies like the TCEQ or the Public Utility Commission, you know, it, it's pretty clear we absolutely need to you know continue these agencies. There's, right. there's some smaller agencies, the Boll Weevil Eradication Council or something, you know, like that. That <laughs> for, per, perhaps we don't you know need. Um, and so some agencies do actually cease to exist after this process, but the big ones, you know, pretty clearly are going to continue. And so they're they become a must pass bill, right? Um, lot, you know, we saw in recent sessions um, the tech. Texas Medical Board, for example, um, sunsetted you know, because they, the legislature wasn't able to, um, you know, uh, reach agreement. And so for a while there, um, we, we might have an agency regulating doctors and, uh, and uh, they might not be able to get their licenses to actually practice medicine. So the stakes are high, you know, for uh, agencies continuing or not. And so um, we are, you know, uh, it's a once every 12 year opportunity to get stronger environmental protections. Um there, the bill that has been filed um, uh, you know in the legislature does some modest improvements to help improve environmental quality it Uh, raises the maximum daily fine from $25,000 a day to $40,000 a day, um, which is, you know, an improvement. It also requires, you know, uh, permits to be placed uh, for uh, companies that request uh, the uh, permission to pollute that those permits be put online so everyone can see them. You know, right now, sometimes you have to drive to some TCQ office, you know, miles and miles away to try and look at this information. So putting it online is good giving the public more opportunities to comment, you know, uh, around pollution permits. So some decent things there, but far, far from what's needed um, to really protect the environment in Texas. So I think environmental advocates thus far um, are pretty disappointed in, in uh, calling on the legislature to strengthen that bill and do more to protect our health.
3: Here at the Halfway Point, a quick note of thanks for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast. We're proud to say you've helped us build our podcast into one of the top 10% of the most widely heard podcasts in the world. Kind of mind-blowing, but true. And one of the top progressive political podcasts here in Texas. We couldn't have done all of this without you listening and sharing episodes. So thank you for that. We believe that information is power. Our podcast features insider analysis with a lighthearted take on major issues, events, and players in Texas politics. We've interviewed elected officials, foreign policy experts, activists, and candidates in a panel format that brings gender and ethnic diversity and always seeks to give listeners a reason to keep coming back for more. After we wrap today, please help us keep our podcast ad-free and accessible to all listeners with a donation at ProgressTexas.org. Find the link in the show notes.
0: Luke, we talked a little bit earlier in the program about extreme weather from Hurricane Katrina years ago and more recently Hurricane Ike, um, but also Winter Storm Uri, which was the Texas freeze. Um, Folks who were participating and really active in the last... um, election in November, will remember Luke Warford who ran for the Texas Railroad Commission. Uh, Luke was unsuccessful in that race, but um, not having um, our preferred candidate in the Texas Railroad Commission doesn't mean that the Texas Railroad Commission can't be improved, right? I understand that there's legislation um, the, t- the Texas Legislature can require the Railroad Commission to regulate um, some of the rates that we were talking about earlier about uh, price gouging. Um, should there be another Texas freeze, you know, we're heading into the summer months. Um, I just want to make clear that, that there, there is something that that can be done now about that during this session.
2: Yeah, that's right. And a number of bills have been filed to uh, kind of add some some teeth to the Railroad Commission and, and to you know better regulate the gas industry. So represent, Representative John Bryant, who's a Democrat from the Dallas area, has filed a bill to create uh, an independent market monitor to look over the gas industry. That's uh, something we have in place for the electric industry. You know, somebody whose job it is to just be an independent voice, to uh, watch out for market manipulation, to uh, do research and you know report back to the legislature. But we don't have that in place for the gas industry. And so we think that's a pretty smart measure Um, There's uh, And Senator Boris Miles, Democrat from Houston, has a companion to that bill in the Senate. Representative Bryant also has a bill to create uh, what's called a gas desk at ERCOT. Um, So one thing that we know is that during the blackouts, um, a big part um, and probably that most people are familiar with the, some of the power plants froze, right, and, and there were photos right. that went around of big icicles, you know, from from right. the, the gas turbine, et cetera. But a big part of the problem, according to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, was um, the gas supply itself froze. And they say FERC, that that agency, says that thirty one percent of the blackouts were because of um uh, freeze offs at the, the gas well where the, the, the gas is extracted and fracked um, or the compressor stations et cetera. And so um, you know we know that uh, while the legislature in 2021 passed the bill SB3 the kind of the big bill to try and fix the grid, they did require you know some you know weatherization of the power plants but the gas supply side mostly got away with having to do very little. And so, um, and in fact, we know that just in December, um, that uh, we had some cold weather. Uh, wasn't even as bad as URI, but gas production still plunged about 25% um, because of the, the cold weather conditions. And so we know the gas supply chain is not weatherized. You know We're at risk of another kind of um, you know, blackouts because of the gas not showing up. So Representative Bryan has a, a bill that very modestly just uh, allows ERCOT to hire somebody whose job it is to pay attention uh, to the gas supply, make sure the gas actually shows up at the power plants for them to be able to use. Um, so that's a good bill. Um, and, uh, you know, we hope the legislature, and th- those are really basic consumer protections um, that we hope the legislature will act on. And then one last one I'll mention, Representative Rafael Anchia of Dallas, a Democrat of Dallas, um, had a bill that would just basically um, require gas companies if they fail to deliver gas to the power plant as they're contractually ob- obligated to do, to actually disclose to the public what went wrong. Why? Why didn't they? Why, why didn't the gas show up there? And so we think that's another real uh, important one.
0: That's all great information. Thank you, Luke. Um, and I'm proud of uh, those two lawmakers from Dallas, where I am now. Um, Luke, on Tuesday, April 11th, a lot of trusted climate and environmental organizations are headed to the Capitol, including uh, Clean Water Action, Environmental Defense Fund, Y'all Environment Texas, the Lone Star, Sierra Club, the National Wildlife Federation and Public Citizen, and Progress Texas too. Will you tell us about the goal or goals of the Alliance for a Clean Texas Lobby Day?
2: Yeah, um, so, we're about a little bit past halfway through the legislative session right now, and um, you know, there are. A lot of bills that we like, that you know, some of which I mentioned earlier, that we are still, you know, still in play, and that we still have a chance to strengthen, including, you know, trying to get that TCEQ to uh, sunset bill to be as strong as possible. Uh, we also have a lot of defense we need to do. There's there's bills, for example, uh, Senator Springer, Republican from North Texas, has a bill that would uh, issue fines against Texans who complain more than three times a year about pollution in their neighborhood, which is absurd. Um, and we create a real chilling effect. Wow. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's a lot of bad bills that we need to fight back as well. Um, and, uh, and then other opportunities as well. So this session, we've got a big chance to get um, a, you know, a historic level of funding for our parks. Um, this is the 100 year anniversary of the state park system, and there's bipartisan support for making a big investment in expanding the state parks. Um, so we want to rally behind that. Um, there's also bills to, um, uh, around re- renewable energy, that both attacks. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick um, has a whole package of bills that just passed the Senate yesterday um, that would um, you know, uh, grind renewable energy development to a halt in Texas. And so we need to fight back against those uh, terrible um anti-wind and solar energy bills so we've got a whole package of bills that you know we think we can have uh we've got a shot of having a uh impact on you know either proactively or at least defensively um, and so we're having texans from all around the states you know uh, come to austin for our lobby day to uh, to meet with lawmakers in support of clean air and water parks and wildlife clean energy etc and uh, uh, we're still recruiting folks to join so if your listeners um, are interested in coming to austin Um, you know, for this lobby day, um, they should check it out. And uh, the event is on uh, the Progress Texas and Environment Texas Facebook pages uh, among elsewhere
0: we'll have it in our show notes it's already on all of our socials so um, you can just click on our show notes and uh, register for the event itself but then share the event on our socials where it's on instagram it's on facebook it's on twitter so um, make sure uh, even if you can't attend that you're sharing this great opportunity with people in your life who you know care about uh, Texas and who care about the climate and the environment and, of course, your own your own wallets.
1: And we have a little fact sheet on Progress Texas' Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter uh, with a lot of the information provided by Environment Texas showing you some of the basic problems that the Texas uh, gas industry has been um, dealing with and some of the solutions that the Lobby day is trying to accomplish. So be sure to check that out there. But I do have a follow-up question though, for those people who can't show up on, once again, Tuesday, April 11th, that's Tuesday, April 11th at the Texas State Capitol. If they can't show up there, where can they make their voice heard for the environment?
2: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, talking with your legislators back home, you know, is, is as valuable, if not more valuable, you know, um, as coming to Austin. And so going and calling the local district office or going into the district office meeting with the staff and, and kind of raising some of these concerns is is really valuable. Um, and so um, so that's one way. They can definitely go to our website, environmenttexas.org, to learn more about all the issues. You can sign up to get emails um, uh, to uh, take action on different issues issues. Uh, The Alliance for Clean Texas, um, as Kathleen mentioned, is is a broad coalition of um, environmental groups all around the state that come together, particularly around the legislative session. So um, learning um, uh, and engaging with the Alliance is also a great way to, to get involved.
0: Luke, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd want to share with our listeners today?
2: Well, I guess I would just you know say that the uh, I think we all know that it's a very challenging political environment in Texas for a lot of things that we care about, and, and that's okay. that's that's true for for the environment as well. Um, mm-hmm. And you know we we've seen you know real serious attacks on the environment that have have gone through every legislative session. Um, and you know we but we at the same time we you know we've been successful at you know stopping some of the, some of the worst and actually making some some progress. And so um, I think it's important for all of us, you know, working in Texas um, to keep hope up, you know, because, you know, we we do get some wins out there, even even with uh, the the challenging environment. Um, You know, one last thing just in terms of policy, I think that's real important that really is cross cutting is around some of the preemption bills that we're seeing. Um, There's a number of bills filed uh, that would take away local control, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from cities to, to regulate things. So, for example, um, Representative Dustin Burroughs has a bill that um, would basically, you know, take away a lot of power from cities to regulate things. And, um, and that's including on the environment, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, work, you know, environment city councils working to promote clean energy, uh, but also, you know, you um, included in that could be city council uh, standards that are, are protecting people from payday loans or, you know, predatory lenders um, and, you know, uh, or even, you know, regulating sexual oriented businesses, all, all sorts of things, you know, could be swept up in some of these anti-local control anti, uh, or pro-preemption bills. And so that's another thing that I think is really cross-cutting no matter what issue you care about. Um, you know, we don't all need to come together to, to stop some of these bad preemption bills.
0: Yeah, I follow lots of conservatives and Republicans online, and we're currently in the Texas Texas voucher fight. And I saw a tweet yesterday from a Republican who was saying local control, local taxpayers, local elected officials um, are more important than than vouchers, are, are more important than polluting industry. So I'm gonna take what he said and expand it. It really is about local control, and we elect people to represent us locally in Austin, uh, Republicans have no business interfering with the will of the people here um, you know, in Dallas or, or Houston or uh, El Paso. Absolutely. Luke, where can people follow you online?
2: Well, um, you can follow me on, I'm most active on Twitter. So I'm at mm-hmm. Luke Metzger and then at, uh, environment T-E-X uh, for the, uh, environment Texas Twitter. Uh, but then, um, you can also find me on LinkedIn and, uh, uh, the environment Texas has an Instagram page, um, and Facebook page environment, Texas at environment, Texas. So check those out as
0: well. Definitely. Luke, thank you for joining us on your first episode of the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I know we will have you back. Thanks to Digital Director Sam Gonzalez and listeners, thank you. Head on over to Progresstexas.org and subscribe to our email list. Keep us accessible and ad-free with a donation of any amount. And don't forget to follow us on socials. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and please leave us a review. Thanks, y'all. Talk to you next time.
3: Bye, everybody. Bye. Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.